Welcome to New Mommy at 40, a honest, informative, and non-judgmental podcast for those navigating to and through parenthood in their 40s. This week, we get to get a reflection of becoming a mother at 40 from my friend Tamara Montana. She is now in her 50s to the mother of a beautiful 15-year-old, and I can't wait for you to hear her journey and what she's learned so far. But before we get into it, please subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to this so you don't miss a single episode. All right, let's get into it. It didn't happen in my 20s. Who cares? Now I've got all this fancy wisdom to share. Hey, I've got this baby. You're getting the best of me. Because I'm a new mommy of 40. <laughs> Tamara became a mother at 40. And since then, she has been shattering single mother and older mother stigmas left and right. Now in her 50s with a 15-year-old, she shares of her journey of becoming a mom, the sacrifices, the heartbreaks, and commitments she's made into growing a great kid. What I love about this episode is the perspective she has 15 years later and literally watching the fruits of her labor blossom into this beautiful young woman she's been raising. Tamara is a manifesting powerhouse. I hope that she inspires all of us who are new older mamas or mamas-to-be that the possibilities are endless and age alone is limitless. Let's welcome her to the show. Ah, Tam, it's so nice to have you. Thank you for coming on. I think it's important we to have an OG mom at 40 here. (laughs) I'm starting out. And for all of us who are in our forties, we have, you know, a lot of wisdom, I think that Tam can share with us. So like I said, in my intro, she is in her fifties with a beautiful daughter who is 15 now. So we know each other from flying when I worked for an airline, when you see her just gorgeous. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like she's so nice and so welcoming and so warm. And then I remember when you were pregnant and I thought, Oh my gosh, like she's going to be glowing. I just couldn't wait to see what the bump was going to be like. You just seemed like you were ready for this. But I remember thinking, wow, she's in her forties. Could this be my path as well. And you were in a relationship at the time, right? Yeah, I was. And by the way, thank you for inviting me. I feel so honored. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you. Like this is such an awesome thing you're doing. So I appreciate Aww. the invite. Aww. I really was just like, me? <laughs> I'm not in my 40s. I'm 55. <laughs> no, but it's totally my pleasure. When I think about someone who is doing it and who I got to see, I think probably part of why I also wasn't fearful, even though I know we talk about a lot on the show about the things that can go wrong. It's just because most of my audience are trying to conceive or not sure if they can and just got into relationships and hoping that they will. So I tend to talk about the things that could go wrong, but you, when I think about you, I think of all the things that can go just right. So that's why I wanted for you to share. It's, you know, kind of a reflection of your your motherhood journey in your forties. So let's, let's do the, you know, the, the unpopular question. So Tam, why'd you wait so long? What What? happened? (laughs) Well, I, it's funny. I, 
I've always wanted to have kids and I always imagined like when I was younger, I'm like, I'm going to have six kids. I want three boys, three girls. Then it was like, I want four boys, two girls. I want five boys, one girl. And then I'm like, "Mm, I'll be happy with two or three. (laughs) And, and now I obviously I have one and, and that journey in and of itself, it's, I, I think when you're, younger, especially thing I've tried, I've just gone for and I've gotten, I've achieved. And I've had to do that at a really young age. So I, I've been on my own really since I was 15. Mm-hmm. And at 15, it was my goal not to get pregnant or have kids early. My mom had me at 19. And it was always my goal to, you know, I said, okay, 25, I'm going to have kids. And then 25 came and I knew I wasn't ready. And I was into my career. I worked in film and television as an executive assistant for 13 years for the biggest producer in Hollywood. I worked for heads of studios like Sony, Fox, DreamWorks. And so I was really into my thing. And I was having fun. I was single. I was in LA. I had traveled to, by the time I was 25, I'd been to 30 countries because I said I was going to do things differently and break that generational curse of getting married, having kids, being home, never, I wanted to live my life. And I didn't do the college route. I traveled and then I got lucky and I got a great job. So I was really focused on that. And I've always been the type of person to kind of say, okay, I'm going to do this at this age. I'm going to make this happen, do that. And it all fell into place. And when I was 30 eight, I wanted a baby and I didn't have the relationship. And it got to the point where my best friend and I were like, well, let's start checking out these sperm banks. (laughs) You know, maybe we'll just have kids and raise them together. And, you know, we could do this. And I'm like, yeah, you get to pick like the eyes and, you know, the (laughs) IQ factor. And, you know, I could pick someone. I want tall kids, like, you know, and I really was, excuse the term, batshit and like thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm going to do this, you know, and I was just like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I want a baby and I'm not about trapping anyone, you right. know, or surprise, you know, <laughs> this is not me or my thing or forcing anyone. I'm not one to force it. So my daughter's name is Lola Valentina. I met her dad actually on the plane. He's the only person I've ever dated. Like I've never dated a coworker, never gave my number to passengers or anything like that. It was just really weird. And I met him. I just had this feeling like he wasn't my type at all. And I'm one of those people that truly believes that my daughter picked her father and picked me. Yeah. Like I just feel like we were a thousand percent supposed to come together to have her, you know, and we met and as soon as we started talking, you know, right off the bat, like getting to know each other, I said, listen, I'm trying to have a baby. So (laughs) if you're not, now's your time to turn and run. Like within the first conversation. The beauty of wisdom, right? The beauty of age where you just can like cut through the red tape and say exactly Uh, what you want. That's it. And if you're not down, peace, you know, nice meeting you. But this is my focus. This is my goal. I want to have a family. And I had said, you know, I'm even, I was looking at sperm banks and we started doing the research and, you know, just kind of filtering through all of that. And he's like, oh yeah, I want to have a family too. And it was kind of a whirlwind thing for us. And we started dating right away. The attraction just was there, even though he wasn't my normal attraction. And within three months I was pregnant. Wow. 
And that's kind of how my life went where I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm making it happen. So it sounds like you have a really strong connection to your intuition. You always have. And also with what you were saying in terms of your upbringing, you had a lot that you just knew that you did not want to be, you you know, you were very focused on creating a life for your, you know, on your own and for yourself. Speaking of creating your life, what was that pregnancy like? The first 90 days, I was, I just knew I was doomed. And I knew that my whole pregnancy was going to be nine months of throwing up and not like, like I would be on the plane and I just wanted to stab passengers in the (laughs) eye for smelling and having bad (laughs) breath and opening the bathroom door near me. And I just wanted to throw up all over the galley. And I just, I was miserable. And people were like, Oh, don't worry. It's your first trimester. I said, listen, I can't win the lotto, but I'll be the one person that's sick for nine months. And I'm like, God, please just rescue me from this. And sure enough, like on day, my morning 24 hour day sickness, completely stopped and went away. Oh, thank God. So that was hard. The the first 90 days and and I hate throwing up, you know. I'm not I don't think anyone likes to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anyone likes it, but I mean, I I can't even see it, smell it be around it and I just was dying the first 90 days. <laughs> Day 90, from then on it was incredible. It was a cakewalk as far as how I felt, being excited about it. Um, I had no weird cravings, didn't have any desire to eat any junk food. I pretty much, especially the first 90 days, I was living off of like peaches and watermelon and raw vegetables. I couldn't even have salad dressing. To look at it made me just want to get sick. So I had a really healthy diet and I, I worked out. (laughs) Well, if you know, Tam's always like worked out and she's always looked fantastic. But was, were you a vegan prior to this or did you become vegan after Lola? I became a vegan about a year after Lola, but I was vegetarian on and off almost my whole life. When I was 10, I told my mom, I came home, I said, I'm not eating anything with a face on it. (laughs) That's it. And I went vegetarian. I ended up being like vegetarian for a year. I was vegetarian through most of my 20s. And it always seems to be like a hot wing or chicken wings that dragged me back in. <laughs> yes, um, it's, it's that bird. That yard bird gets everyone, girl. <laughs> yeah. the hardest so thing I became, to give up. <laughs> I, I became vegan. I think Lola was like a year old. I became vegan. And I think my daughter was kind of naturally born vegan because when she started eating at four months, I would, you know, I'd make like turkey spaghetti instead. You know, she never wanted to eat meat. And I would take like the little meatball and put it on the fork and wrap the spaghetti around it. (laughs) I'd give it to her. And I'm like, oh, cool. She ate it. At the end, she would like pull the piece of meat out of her mouth and hand it to me like she didn't want it. So when I was considering going vegan and I thought about all those times that she did that, where she just did not want to eat meat, I'm like, cool. Maybe I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. My daughter was vegan almost her whole life until this year. And now she eats everything except for pork. She decided this year, she's like, I want to eat when we travel. I want to eat what Mm -hmm. locals eat when we go to Vietnam or we go to Cuba or we go here or there. I want to eat what they eat. Well, she you goes just to Antigua in the summers and wants her chicken. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But you know, you you bring up something really cool that I wanted to talk about was you know all that 
that the life that you and Lola have been able to live based on you following your intuition in terms of your career now. And I think you probably would have wanted to do that anyway, even if you weren't in this industry, you still probably would have done that. But before we get into the life that you and Lola have been living, you have a very interesting birth story of how you gave birth to Lola. You shared it in <laughs> just so chill. Like if you if you haven't gotten you know a sense of who Tam is, I mean, just see how like relaxed she is. So this is how she gave birth to Lola. Please please share. Well, so my gynecologist's office is called Women Partners in Health. It's all women. There's no men at all. That's what I wanted. So yeah. for my birth, I knew that I wanted her to come out. I love Bob Marley, listening to Bob Marley. (laughs) And while I was pregnant, I would have like the Bose speakers and I would play Bob Marley and classical music on my belly. It's supposed to help their cognitive thinking. They're supposed to recognize these things, you know, from Mm -hmm. the womb and your voice. So we're in the delivery room, get there early, get the epidural, supposed to have seven hours to finish dilating and I'm high as hell off of it. <laughs> I'm high as hell off of the epidural. Epidurals are great, by the way. And and so I'm like, hey, I need more drugs to the nurse. She's like, what? I said, I need more drugs. I can feel it. She's like, no, you don't need more drugs. I'm like, I, I'm telling you, I can feel it. I said, it's down there. This is probably like, within like 45 minutes after I had the epidural. And she's like, well, we can't give you more drugs. And if we do give you more drugs, we got to do it now because you, you can't have it too close. So she looks down there and she's like, oh my God, there's, I see hair. And I'm all loopy. And I look at her down. What is she talking about? <laughs> she can see hair. And you can edit this out later. And I'm like, I know i freaking shade down there did i miss a spot what is she talking about oh i'm not i'm not like no (laughs) (laughs) and i'm looking at her dad like you know like there's no hair down there (laughs) it's a clean bird and so she's like that the baby's head there's hair she's like don't sneeze don't push and i'm like i told you i could feel it she's like you're not supposed to dilate for seven hours my doctor had gone off to take a shower, oh my you know, gosh. and she's like, you just got to wait. And I'm like, and I had been playing Bob Marley and I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm like having my makeup because <laughs> I'd seen pictures and I'm not naming names of certain people that <laughs> took pictures right after they gave birth and they look like hell. I'm like, <laughs> Having my makeup bag, so I'm That's the Latina. The Latina, the, the Latina had to have her makeup. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta look good for pictures afterwards because she looked like crap. The dad looks all happy and good, and the mom looks like somebody beat the hell out of her. And so I'm, he's taking pictures of me. I'm putting my makeup on, and I had this group of friends. It was about. 15 lesbians that showed up at five o'clock in the morning (laughs) and they were my friends from my neighborhood. So I just had this awesome community of all these women and these women showed up for my birth. So they're there. And my girlfriend, Linda, the one who I had first met was a photographer. So she's taking pictures of me, putting my makeup on (laughs) everything. My doctor runs in, she's got wet hair and she's like, what is going on? 
I'm taking a shower. Like, what's happening? She's like, you're having the baby. Oh my God. She's freaking out. She's got a picture of the doctor running in with like her hands open. Like, what the hell? Well, this dude, this brother, he walks in. He's about 6'4", 6'5". Easily 300 pounds. He looked like a defensive lineman for, for whatever football team. And I'm like, what are you doing in here? And then he hears a Bob Marley. He's like, hey. Nice. Who brought the Bob Marley? And my doctor's like, I forgot to tell you, he helps deliver all the babies. Oh, no way. So he was the only guy. And I'm like, and he's cute. Are you kidding me? I'm like, do you have to be at that end? Like, what are you doing here? So this handsome 6'5", Dark chocolate, lineman-looking man comes in and is dancing to Bob Marley. And I'm like, wait, change the song. <laughs> it's got to be this song. Lola's dad changes the song. He's secretly videotaping my birth because nowadays they don't let you videotape. Yeah. I look over and I look at him. I'm like, you're fucking videotaping this? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> Shh, don't tell. And I'm like, oh, okay. She came out in nine pushes. Wow. Wait, like, what was the song? What was the song that you played? I can't even remember, but I have it on videotape somewhere. <laughs> I think that's okay. Think We're over forty. Was, this um, is why. This is what happens. No, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I'm fifty-five now. You hit fifty. You don't remember anything, but I have it. She came out in nine pushes. It was like the wow. easiest thing ever. I didn't tear. And sat up in bed after I've got pictures of her. And even me, I'm like, I need to frame that. I look great. <laughs> I look hot. My hair was on point. My makeup was good. Barely had a little bump down there. That's you awesome. know, it was, it was a great experience. My pregnancy was a great experience. I felt like I really bonded with her. I had a dream. I think I was like three or four months pregnant. And this makes me so emotional. I feel like I'm going to cry. But <laughs> I had a dream. As soon as I got pregnant, I knew in my soul, in my spirit, in every fiber in me, I knew I was having a girl. People would say, oh, no, I think you're having a boy. You're having a boy. I'm like, it's a girl. And I went through a lot in her pregnancy. I had a false positive test where they thought she was going to have Down syndrome. I had to get the the whole Pulp Fiction stab you in the belly with this oh, big old needle, yeah. whatever that is, to the amnio thing. Yeah. But I had a dream that I was sitting on my sofa and I saw my daughter and she was like maybe... 14 months old, like she wasn't quite two. And she just hugged me and kissed me on my face. <laughs> mm. And it was so amazing. And it was like, and it was her. It was Lola. Wow. And I just remember like, you know, when she did get to that age and she would like kiss me like that, like, you know, you know how your baby does, like hugs you and just kiss me and put her face on mine. It was her. 
And that's how she kissed me in my dream. And I knew I was having a girl. And I knew I was supposed to name her. I wasn't getting stuck with some crappy name that her dad made up. (laughs) You know, he was coming up with these terrible old lady names, you know. (laughs) And I just, I followed my gut and I went with it. But, you know, I I had some scares. You know, I got a false positive. I'm on the plane. My doctor calls me. They said her nuchal fold looked fine. You know, like you have to get these checks when you're, I was, I was 39 when I was pregnant. Yeah. So you went through that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that you're in that stage, you know, because they feel that you're, you know, you're high risk, they really, you know, the appointments start getting a little bit more frequent towards the end, you know? We, we yeah. I think we go in a little bit more than our younger counterparts. So there's a yeah. lot of time to get a little anxious as to what you're going to hear. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I did the test and they call me and they're like, you got a positive. You're probably like your protein is high. And I'm like, well, all right, what does that mean? And they said, well, that's normally an indicator that your baby would have Down syndrome. And it just walloped me. I was on the plane, like doing a turn in between, like getting passengers off and cleaning the plane, waiting for new passengers to come on. And I got that call and I'm just like, <laughs> welcome on board. Yeah. I get you, you know, having, having to deal with that. And I call her dad and, and we went from a whirlwind romance and getting pregnant, meeting the family, doing all of that to all of a sudden he had a change of heart. I think actually getting pregnant freaked him out and oh, is dealing with happened? like his yeah, girl. It was, he's lucky he got me when I was pregnant because I didn't used to be very nice. It went from, we planned this, we did it. So now all of a sudden, oh, I've had a change of heart. I think I'm going to go be with my ex-girlfriend. Oh. You know, and dealing with that throughout my entire pregnancy. I was going to say, what? And when did that happen? When, when did that news get delivered? Around how, how far along were you? That It was the day I found out I was pregnant. No yeah. way, Tim. I, that early? Yeah, it, it was it was terrible. Yeah, and I got a call from her. Oh. saying, oh, are you seeing my fiance? I'm like, you're what? what? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. It, it Look, if I wanted to be with some dude who had something, somebody else, I could have done that. I worked, I told you I worked in film and television. <laughs> I was vice president of a sports division. I could have done it with anyone. It really, something you had your that pick. was a lot more worth it financially. Yeah. Then, you know. But you wouldn't have had Lola. Struggling over here at this dude. Yeah, I wouldn't have had Lola. And that wasn't the life that I knew I wanted. So, yeah, I I got on the happiest day of my life. I got the worst news of my life. And I'm like, all right, God, like, it's never easy for me. I'm always having to make it happen and pull myself up and be independent and okay, I'm screw it. I'm doing this with or without. I don't care. I'm, I'm a mom. And then I got the news that 
they thought she would have Down syndrome. And I was terrified to get the, what's it called? The amnio? Is, is that, I don't even yeah, remember what the, that's you mean called. The long I lost needle. my mind. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's an am, amnio. It, so for anyone who doesn't know, we, and again, we're not experts on this show. So I encourage everyone to kind of look on your own, look this up. But basically there's, there's a certain age range, usually in advanced maternal age where it's, suggested to have a little bit more of a thorough exam that actually it's a needle that goes into the amnio the sac and test the liquid there you know to to just test for more if there are any other complications that they should be aware of it's well that's how they used to do it now it's a lot easier they don't do all of that now yeah they don't do it the same way they do it earlier they do it earlier they don't the the time yeah go ahead yeah and and you don't have to do it but here's what I said. I said, listen, I don't like surprises. Mm-hmm. And if my child is born a special needs child, I'd rather have a special needs baby than no baby at all. And mm-hmm. who's to say I'll get another chance. Right. And I started doing my research, like what are the available options for special needs kids. How do I do this? And her dad was at the time, he was trying to convince me, oh, life is hard enough. We shouldn't have it. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. You're in or you're out, period. And it was right before my 40th birthday that I found all this out. And so I needed a break. And for my 40th birthday, I said, all right, I'm going to fly over to France. My best friend, it's now been 30 years, and my hairdresser, he had moved back to France to take care of his parents. I still hadn't had the amnio. So I go over, and Jean-Marc picks me up. We spend a day in Nice. Then the next day we head out to his family's house. I get out of the car and (laughs) I forgot that his parents had adopted a bunch of kids like throughout his life. Here come three kids with Down syndrome Mm. to meet me. The fourth kid had spina bifida who had a wheelchair and the fifth kid she had to have like a tap in the back of her neck because her brain constantly built up fluid Fluid. and so she had like a really enlarged head so they they have all of these severe issues and his parents they've both passed on but they've adopted more kids and were awarded by the president of France for adopting like over 30 kids over there over like a 50-year Wow. Span. Wow. And uh, raise these kids. These kids need like catheters change daily and teaching them to do independent living. But when I came out of the car and I had no idea, nothing. And John Mark didn't say anything like, you know, and that's their normal life. And these five kids are so excited to see me. I just started crying and I'm like, Okay, God, I get it. I mean, and they've been doing it for 40 years. So I'm like, 
if they can do this with fives, I can do it with one. And I love these kids. Like they're a blessing. And I'm just going to take it head on. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going for it. And as it turns out, she doesn't, she's not special needs. She didn't have down syndrome. Yeah. I was going to say she's special, but not in that, in that, in that sense at all. In that way. And she has turned out to be what, you know, what most would call in health way, average, average, normal kid, but she is extremely special in her. I feel like in her ability to learn, she's, such a life student and I get that from you. Like, tell us about her languages. Tell us about your Lola Valentina. Okay. Well, one of my best friends was a professional athlete and his wife had a baby and she was like two at the time. And she said that she was putting her daughter in French school. And I'm like, French school. And she's like, yeah. And they just speak French. And I said, but you don't speak French. Yeah, but I'm going to take French class. And it's easy because they learn English anyway. So I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And at that time, I was like 26, 27. So I was nowhere near having a baby. But I said, when I have a family, I'm doing that. And so I never had anything coming up. Our family, my family was poor. Like, we had nothing. We were, I was a kid that had all of the no-name brand anything. We were poor. We At one point, we even got groceries from the church. Like We didn't have money, and we grew up in the hood. And so I would pick up on all these different things that my friends would do or had access to, and I'm like, I want that. That's going to be my kid, you know. And I traveled, so I really wanted, you know, and I and I hated that. You know, I'm Latina, but Spanish isn't my first language. You know, we didn't speak Spanish at home. So I wanted that for my six kids that I was going to have. Right. And when I, when I, as soon as I got pregnant with Lola, I started researching bilingual schools. And then I started seeing bilingual and trilingual schools. And I found this one school where they learn French, Spanish, and English. So I started calling him when I'm pregnant because <laughs> I'm thinking it's like LA, you got to get on a, a two, three year waiting list. And they're laughing at me. They're like, well, you got to have a kid first. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have to be three years old. They've got to be potty trained. I said, all right, well, I'm just going to keep calling you and checking in because I want my child to go to school here. And that was a 30 minute drive from where I lived, but I didn't care. Right. She was going to that school. <laughs> so, when she was two, I started calling them because I'm like, I'm getting her in there early. They have a preschool and she's going to be potty trained. She was potty trained by right before, like she was potty trained at 18 months. Oh, wow. So I pop up with her. I'm like, she's taller than your three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> she's potty trained. And I think she could pass for three. And they were like, and they, they met about it. They were going to let her in because she was potty trained. They're like, she should wait because her cognitive learning and everything, like, you know, wait until she's three. Take my money. Here's my deposit. She was old enough to go. She went. And before that, well, since they wouldn't take her at two, I put her in a Spanish immersion 
preschool. So she was going there speaking Spanish. Then she started the French schools. I was paying more for her tuition than I was for my mortgage. Mm. And I made her dad pay half. You know, by this time we're together. Mm-hmm. Get through all of the the mess, all the crazy relationship crap I had to go through while I was pregnant. And when when she was a baby, I got the baby signing time, so she knew baby sign language and nice. could tell me when she wanted to eat or whatever at four months. Oh, yeah, it's so helpful. So oh, and there's a little after school Mandarin program that I found, and I put her in. And then I found a better one. So my daughter speaks four languages fluently. She speaks and Mandarin and French are her best. And she can sing in Korean and Japanese because she likes K-pop. Wow. And she's, you know, trying to teach herself. She just started actually last month. She said she wants to learn Portuguese and it's similar to, to Spanish and one of her little favorite language teachers speaks Portuguese as well. So she started teaching herself Portuguese. Wow. And so. and she's a pilot. Yeah. She started. She she's a she pilot, folks. Taking- Wait, just hold on. She's a pilot, folks. <laughs> How old did I tell you she was? She's 50. She's going to be 15. She, yeah, next month. Next month. I mean, what I what I'm hope hoping to capture for anyone listening is none of this came easily, but with foresight, with intuition, determination, you, you really did everything that you could do to make it work. So what do you think, you know, looking back at your whole motherhood experience in your forties, what was your, the biggest sacrifice you think you had to make? in raising Lola? Were there any? I guess I guess you could call it a sacrifice, but to me it was a no-brainer. But that was dating after her dad and I went our separate ways. And I was really looking forward to having my alone time with her when we were alone and just spending that quality time with her. And I thought about this a lot today. And and I think it's important to say that, especially when you're trying to have a baby, you never expect to get married with a divorce that follows. You think, you know, oh, it's till death do us part. But one thing's for certain is having a baby is till death do you part. And it's for better or for worse, because the day I found out I was pregnant and I got banged over the head with all this stuff and and I, and I wanted to share this hurtful and painful time that I went through because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Hmm. And for a lot of people, you don't really consider that when you start out. You don't think that the worst things could happen. Oh no. And then when they do, what do you do? How do you handle it? Like, who do you talk to? Are they going to show up for you in your downtime, your hardest time, like they did at your wedding reception or at your baby shower? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just really feel like looking back in hindsight now as a 55 year old woman who thought, I'm going to have a baby at 40. And, you know, when I went, 
through what I was going through with her dad, I really hit some dark moments. And one particular time, it was so dark, I didn't think I was going to make it. And a lot of women go through that, like just in postpartum, where it's like, how can I get out of this? How can I make this? How can I see light at the end of the tunnel? Or how can I survive? I've got this little baby, you know, or this young child, and it's War of the Roses over here, Mm. and still keep a smile on my face and not continue the generational curse that I went through with my own parents. I was always going to put her first. And that's hard because I know I have a big ego, you know, and I really, really. I tried my best and I know I did my best. And even when I felt like this person's trying to destroy me. So my sacrifice was that I wanted to really be selfish with my time with her. And I was happy doing that. I'm not the type of woman to where I was like, oh, I got to find her a dad. She had a dad. Right. And despite our differences, he's a good dad. Despite the fact that, you know, I felt like he was trying to take my kid away, you know, and the whole battle, the court battle and the money and and the control as low and dark as it got, the sacrifice that I made was that I need to survive. I got to keep my head above water and I got to keep a smile on my face and I have to maintain my integrity because she's not going to forget this. She's Mm -hmm. not going to forget how it made her feel. And I didn't want my kid to feel like, oh, all my friends around me have mom and dad. She didn't know what divorce meant. She came home a few years later at like eight or nine and was like, what does your divorce mean? Wow. And you guys divorced when she was four. Right. Yeah, we were we were actually never married, but okay. state of Texas is like consider you common law and all of this, and and you would think with the court battle we went through, it was worse than a divorce. We went through, we didn't have to go through any of it. I was like, you can see her three sixty five, twenty four seven. If you're married and have kids, if I'm married and have kids, you got a partner, I got a partner. If I'm on the ski slopes in Switzerland for Christmas, come on. You can come. You can see her whenever you want. But it was just, you know, it was ego. Yeah. And I'm not a quitter. I'm a fighter. And I felt like I was going to fight for her rights and really fight to make sure that her father was still the best father he could be to her. So I I said, you know what? I just didn't want to date. And I had a really strong community of my female friends. We all kind of seemed to be going through similar things at the same time and had kids and we would get together once or twice a week. And we did some really cool things with our kids and it was just a great community. I call them my sister wives (laughs) 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 of women that like we really supported each other and were great friends. So at one point my daughter was like, you need a boyfriend, mommy. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, daddy has a girlfriend. Like you never go anywhere. Why don't you get a boyfriend or date? I'm like, okay, so I tried the online dating thing, went on a couple of dates, and I'm like, I could be home with my kid, like <laughs> watching a movie, baking, doing fun things. Like, I just 
I wasn't into it. I, I would rather spend time with my daughter and have fun being with her. Do you think that age comes a part of that in terms of, do you yeah, think I we mean, have made those same decisions at 20, 30? I even? think age and experience made a big difference. Like I've lived a really full, rich and colorful life. And it, it didn't have anything to do with menopause or oh, I have no sex drive or whatever. I mean, I got it, but I felt like I'm good. I had enough sex. I'm cool. I don't need it right now. <laughs> I, I don't need someone to step in and like, you know, I, I freaking built a tiny house in my backyard. I did that with my deck guy, you know. Like I'm always the one putting stuff together and planning and doing. I felt really good about where I was in my life. And she doesn't need a dad. She's got one. So I didn't feel like, or I didn't feel like, oh, I got to get a boyfriend and one up him because he got a girlfriend right away. I didn't care. And I didn't cry. I was good. And I remember at one time when it was getting kind of ugly with him and I and our whole court thing and she was four and a half and he'd done something really made me mad. And I was always thought I was really good at keeping that from her and not doing that in front of her. I'm putting her to bed and I go to give her a kiss and she grabs my face, you know, with her hand around my chin and she's like, mama I said, yeah. And she goes, that's my face. I think you can be a little bit nicer to Poppy. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh. and I'm like, what? Like, kidding me? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, he's a freaking asshole. Like, nicer to him. I want to murder this guy. <laughs> and I'm being really nice because I didn't murder him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being really, really nice. And then I just kind of looked and she was like, don't worry. I said the same to him. And I told him first. Uh -huh. We could be a lot nicer to you. And I'm like, you're right. We could be nicer to each other. Thank you. Wow. The wisdom of that little yeah. one. She's always been very yeah. wise. Yeah. And and I taught her. We taught her to have boundaries and to feel comfortable in saying what's on her heart or her mind or if she needs privacy or whatever. Like We gave that to her and she gave it back to us wow. when we needed it. And the other thing I wanted to say, you know, about it being hard, where you hear how hard it is being a single mom, the hard parts are when you don't have someone that you can rely on, especially in my job, as you know, like my, being a flight attendant, I would have to leave. So we got to a point where he would have her while I was gone. But there were times where I didn't have someone and I needed someone living in my house. Mm-hmm to just manage it while I was gone. And and I was fortunate that I was able to have a family member come from out of state because I'm like in a state in the middle of the country with no family or nothing. And there are difficult times, but for the most part, it's not hard. If you really, if that's really what you wanted in your heart is to have a baby because that's what you wanted to have, it's not hard. It's a joy. And there might be certain obstacles and trials to figure out and overcome. But like I said, having the baby, that the till death do us part. Mm. That's the for better or for worse. Because when I was like, oh, I want to have 
a baby, la, la, I want to have six kids, da, 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 da. And then I find out I'm pregnant and they're like, oh, but your baby might have Down syndrome. When you think of what's the absolute worst, having a baby with Down syndrome is there's nothing wrong with that. But what's the worst case scenario for my child with her disability? Then am I okay? Is, is it okay then when you ask yourself, like, is your ego okay? Because you might not have, you know, to what the whole planet thinks is prettiest kid on the planet, smartest kid on the planet, or maybe might be nonverbal or whatever. And how can you get real honest with yourself about that and know that you're in it for the love? And I think that is your saving grace. That's your rescue, no matter how bad things get around you. If your partner leaves you, if your partner drops that unexpectedly or your house burns down around you, if you have that, you can do anything. Your happiness and your your path is a choice. You can make it happen. I know if I could make it through, I went through some crazy things and I never imagined that I would be able to forgive her father and truly forgive him. And I really prayed and I meditated. I did a lot of work so that I wanted us to be great parenting partners. And after we went through all this horrible stuff, we're really good friends now. So that's the other thing is for people who might be going through a divorce, the day you find out you're pregnant, you find he's cheating on you. He doesn't want to be involved. I had a change of heart. I'm living in New York. I'm not coming to be with you in Texas or whatever, as bad as it can be, that I believe in miracles and I believe in setting intention. And I believe that you have the power to change your circumstance. You can kind of sit in your shit and be like, oh, he's terrible. I hate him. And just end it at that. But you have the power to be a better person. And when you think your heart has just been chinked away and there's no shred left of your heart, mm. there is. And if it can get better for me and we can become friends and we help each other and we genuinely love and care about each other. And he's had two kids and moved on with his life, but we really, he's family for life. That's awesome. And, yeah. you know, I think also your kid, like you said, even at four to come and, and say that, that, you know, I want both of you to be nicer to each other that, you know, sometimes the children, the love for them is one. And then two, all that you've put into them to be just human beings, at some point, there's a place where you see all that both of you have put into this child and you can't deny the other. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure she's And your kid knows you. Yeah. And they feel your energy. Yeah. Even though they're only here for four years, they know you. Yeah. You can't fake it. They know, they feel when you're not happy. Yeah. Well, that's why you have so many kids that are like, dad, mom, I have to talk to you. I think you're both better off with not together. I have a friend like that too. Her kids came up to her and said, you don't have to do this anymore. Like, I think you'd be happier like on your own. And it was really a a shock to hear from them because they thought they were doing a really good job of kind of protecting. Yeah. yeah, And and it was a relief to hear from them. Yeah. And so back to the whole thing on what's divorced so she comes home and now we were already in a pretty decent place. You know, every year for Christmas, he'd go with us to get our Christmas tree. But he had another Christmas tree he had to go get, you know, with the with the, with the the new family. And he'd show up. So I put him on my flight benefits because he moved away from Texas to Miami now. And I'm in Texas. And I said, listen, you got to show up. 
Because if you don't show up, like I want you to have your 14 days a month. If you don't show up, then it's all my time. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you my flight benefits so you can come and see your daughter. And he owned his own business, so he works from home. So he has that flexibility to not be in an office. So I put him on my flight benefits. I let him stay in my house because it's better for her. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. I could care less. And she gets to be home with in her room with her dogs. Her dad takes her to school, picks her up from school, cooks her dinner, takes her to all of her events. And I do the same And when he goes back to Miami. So she comes home and she's like, well, what's divorce? And I said, well, where'd you get that from? She goes, well, so-and-so said, you know, oh, is your, your mom and dad coming? And I said, no, my dad's in Miami. And he's like, well, what's he doing in Miami? And she said, well, he lives there. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. You're divorced. And she goes, what does that mean? And I said, well, he's saying he's sorry because most parents, when they get divorced, they're not friends. I said, but they don't like each other or, you know, their dad lives in one place, their mom lives in the other, and the dad doesn't get to come to the house or stay there and spend the night or take you to school or, you know, I I said, do you feel those things? She was like, no. So I'm, I'm like, okay, so we're not like normal people like a divorce because we actually like each other and we have a lot of fun or we'll go to dinner together. And I think he's saying he's sorry because most people aren't as happy as we are yeah, yeah. when they're not together. It's perspective. You know, and it's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, yeah, it, it must have been a really weird concept to be introduced to because yeah. she doesn't have that situation. <laughs> oh, you're divorced. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, is that a I'm disease? Sorry. Poor baby. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, so the, as a 40-year-old mom now in the beginning stages of it, there are things that I feel like I'm not going to forget, but... In mm-hmm. hindsight, you can tell me. So this, we're going to do rapid fire what my mm-hmm. issues are right now and you at 55 and I'm going to be 40, sure. 45. Tantrums. Do you remember the tantrums? Yeah. How you feel about them now? They weren't that bad. Yeah? But is, this, is this, are you saying this because you don't really remember mm-hmm. all of them? You really remember? No, no, no. Really? I remember them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't hit my kid. Yeah. But she's been popped four times in her life. I mean, she remembers those four times. And once she was really little and she just showed out. And she would do that a lot when her dad was there. And I knew from day one, I said, listen, she's got you wrapped. You need to work this out because she doesn't behave like that with me. Like you take her to the restaurant. I'm like, nobody wants to see your kid running around the damn restaurant. People are at the restaurant. They're trying to get away from their kids. Right. Like, what are you going to do when she's five? Yep. We, we have to behave smart enough to behave or we're not coming here. Boom. And so that's it. Like, but she didn't have a lot of tantrums. I didn't really go through the terrible twos or terrible threes because I'm the kind that like, you're going to throw a tantrum in the grocery store. I'm walking away and leaving you. (laughs) And I'm walking down the thing and and looking around the corner, you know? Yeah. She'll come find me. She'll figure it out. We're not doing that. You know? And the one time she did was with her dad and she got popped and I looked at him and I said, and you can get it too. (laughs) <laughs> we're not doing that in public. <laughs> any, any like accidents that, that happened, like she, in, I'm talking about before 10, like hurt herself or whatever that you just thought you were going to lose it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in hindsight was, now, like, how does it feel? Oh, now? now you're like, eh. it's fine. She only had one major accident and it wasn't on my watch. Thank God. Ha ha. He he. <laughs> I'm not the bad parent. Her dad had just moved out. And I have this thing. It looks like a merry-go-round horse carousel mm-hmm. thing. Well, this is like a rocking thing and has that metal pole. Well, when he moved, 
somebody unscrewed the top part of the pole and didn't tighten it back. So she's at his house and the babysitter was there. She's in the other room. He's in his office, like not paying attention. And she got on it. She, I guess she rocked two or three times. That top bolt oh my metal piece wasn't screwed. And she went back. It came out. And she flipped over backwards. She hit her head on a, an art easel. And she got eight staples in the back of her head. Oh, my God. Oh. While I'm at work. Oh, my God. That's my biggest fear, I have to tell you. It's it's things like that. Like, yeah, you know, it's she's, like she's got a scar this big uh, on the back of her head. It's about a quarter of an inch wide and easily an inch long. Oh Eight full staples in her head. Yeah, it's those things that make me nervous. And then, you know, my husband's yeah. so calm and cool about injuries. But I'm like, I gave birth to her and she was perfect. And now it's like I yeah. see all these little scars and I'm like, maybe when she's 10, 15, yeah. I won't notice as much. But it's things like that, you know, like when you're first yeah. time mom, when, you know, you think, oh, oh yeah. I'll be able to handle. So it's nice to hear <laughs> from from the OG to say, eh, she's oh okay. But I wanted to ask you in, in closing, what serves as your biggest inspiration when raising this global citizen and responsible, loving human being that you've you've raised. What's who, what's your inspiration, or who? She's my inspiration. Like I can't believe she puts up with my madness, and I've been able to push it and take it this far. I mean, people ask me. I'm going to say it like this because this is how I feel when they ask me. They ask me stupid shit all the time. Like, you know, when oh, okay, my daughter speaks four languages. Oh, how did she do that? How did, did she just know she want? I'm like, what do you mean? How did she do that? I, it's her mother. I, she didn't know. I made her do it. She thought it was normal. No, I started something and I didn't quit. And that's key. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I want to do this. Oh, ballet, I want to do that. And it's not the kids that can't do it. It's the parents that don't keep the commitment to keep it up and keep it going. She asked me when she was little, Mommy, when can I quit Kung Fu? I said, when you're a black belt, third degree. <laughs> She's like, okay. And we've just always gone. And, and there's been times where I've been overdrawn in my bank account. Mm. There's been times where I've been behind or there's been times where I just didn't feel like doing it or she didn't want to do it. And I'm like, we're not quitting. We set the goal. I'm not, didn't spend all this money paying for your French school that was more than my mortgage for you to quit now and forget and be like, oh yeah, I used to speak Spanish, French, English, and Mandarin when I was a kid and now I don't know anything. No, honey, when you're 18, then you can quit. But by then it's so ingrained in you, Mm -hmm. you're good. Mm -hmm. Don't quit. Whatever you, whatever it is you see or you want, don't quit. If you get a little pushback from your kid, don't quit. If your kid really hates it and your kid's just not an athlete and you're sticking him in Pop Warner football and he's getting, you know, his head knocked around, but he really wants to be in ballet, okay, then don't quit ballet. But whatever you do, don't quit. 
I'm a freaking flight attendant. I didn't do any of these things. I don't speak four languages. I'm not a black belt in Kung Fu. But you know what? I didn't start traveling till I was 19. Yeah. I started traveling when I was adult, 19, and I've been to 55 countries now. But I've been to 38 of them with her. Wow. So, so she's been I to just 30 saw... countries already at this point in her life. Yeah, wow. some of them several times. Like France, a bunch. Like some of them we go to. Thailand and Vietnam, we go to a lot. But we try to go to one new country every year. And when we're there, we always find a place to volunteer. We always bring stuff to donate to homeless kids on the street or to a school or to an orphanage or we volunteered at an elephant sanctuary, you know, stuff like that. We always try and give because like I said earlier, I'm trying to raise a kind human being. So we're not just traveling for fun. We're going to do something. We're going to work when we go somewhere too. And now it's it's a well-oiled, well-working machine. And, you know, now we're dealing with teenage stuff. But she's on the honor roll. She just flew her first solo flight on Sunday. That's amazing. Yeah. So fingers crossed, you know. And she's making smart, mature decisions now. You know, You've done it. You've done it, Mama. You're an amazing mm-hmm. Mama. And like I said, she's got a good dad. Yes. Not, not to say without dad, but it's both of you. What that's what I think helps foster the relationship that you have Mm -hmm. is that. And he shows up. Yeah. He shows up. He shows up. The commitment. You've made a commitment to your child. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Tamara, for sharing your heart, your journey, everything that you've gone through. We celebrate you and we are so happy to hear your perspective. And there you have it, a perspective from someone who's already done it. And I love all that they've been able to do together, and I feel like they have way more adventures ahead of them. Please follow us, subscribe at newmommy at 40 on Instagram, and join us next week for another great episode. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye.